Now, now, real people, real opinions. Nighttime talk with Niall Boylan. Ireland's classic hits radio. First tonight to continue with our work smart speak out and something that I'm quite passionate about, not only because I was bullied in school as a child really badly, and I've talked about that many times on the air, about my insecurities around that and the damaging effect it had on me as a person. But I know there are people all over the country who are being bullied in the workplace, adults. And we did focus on the school bullying going back about five or six years ago when we did our campaign uh, for Say No to Bullying in Schools. And this time when we were basically doing a survey, asking people how they were getting on after COVID-19, you know, getting back to work, you know, the work-life balance and getting that balance right between working hard and playing. And of course, the one thing that did come out from a lot of people was this kind of harassment or difficulty in working because somebody was making life very, very difficult. Last night, we heard from Mary Cullen, the founder of Inside HR, and Aoife Ryan, a relationship mentor. And the reaction was huge to the show last night. And all this week, we'll be hearing your stories and speaking with experts about this extremely important topic. And tonight, I'm delighted to introduce John Kenny, a spiritual healer from The Healing House, and Nicholas Patrick Nally, an outreach director with The Samaritans, who I'm sure everybody has heard of at this stage of their life. Thank you very much indeed, gentlemen, and I appreciate you coming in to talk to us tonight. Good evening, now. Um, I'll go first of all, if I can, um, to you, uh, Nicholas, in relation to The Samaritans. I mean, the Samaritans do tremendous work in every aspect of life of people who are just feeling alone and just need somebody to talk to. Because, of course, one thing the Samaritans don't do, I suppose, they give you some advice, but they're impartial. I mean, they're the ultimate of impartial, I suppose, when it comes to listening. It's a listening ear for people. But do you find that people are ringing up with problems like this? That, you know, can this be a main cause of depression where somebody is in a job that they really need, but somebody in that job is making life so difficult for them that they get so depressed. Yeah, Nyla, and maybe if I, I put it into, into context, um, I, I'm a listening volunteer with the, with the Dublin branch uh, of the Samaritans. We, we've 21 branches around the country. And yeah, and what the service we provide is a listening service. Um, and it's guided by our vision, which very simply is, you know, that uh, uh, to ensure less people die by suicide. Mm. And yep. to that end, the service we provide, it's, uh, people will be familiar with our, uh, uh, our calling line, our 116123 listening service. And, uh, and we're concerned to give support to people who are isolated, anxious, depressed, overwhelmed, and, uh, uh, and need somebody to actually uh, listen to them. Um, there are many reasons why people call Right. Mm. And that could be addiction, relationships, gambling. Common among the reasons that we recall is bullying. Mm. Now, what that indicates is that for whatever reason, our callers haven't been able to talk to somebody within the workplace, at home, and the revealing of our service. But we provide that. We provide that 24-7 so that it gives them the chance to be able to talk through the experiences they're going through and have somebody who will spend time and listen to them. So that's, our, that's, our, that's the, the service we provide 24-7, one-to-one, mm-hmm. trusted, confidential service. And, From and an outreach. Bullying, and bullying yeah. comes into many aspects of life. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's the same type of bullying that if you were to say a relationship and somebody is demeaning you or somebody is coercively controlling you or whatever, that essentially is bullying because it's the same type of personality that does that to somebody or demeans somebody or takes away their self-confidence. So I suppose it's a kind of catch-all 
answer to that? I mean, if I was calling you, for example, or I was calling the Samaritans, uh, just to let people know what would happen, because people are always a bit anxious about, say, should I ring the Samaritans? Who's going to be on the other end of the phone? What are they going to say to me? Are they going to judge me? Or, you know, are they going to start, you know, giving me advice that I've already had before? Or, so if I'm ringing you saying that I've got a partner, a boss, a work colleague who's demeaning me, who's constantly putting me down, who's controlling me, I mean, what sort of advice would they expect to get? Or, or you know, will they be just given numbers to go to or people to go to? Or what happens in those situations? Yeah, go- good question, Niall. And, and, and first of all, we don't give advice. You know, we're not experts in these people's lives. They know their lives best themselves. But what we do offer, you know, is a trusted environment uh, 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 to actually talk through with somebody what they're experiencing. Often what happens is uh, it's the feelings that are now taking control. They're feeling overwhelmed and anxious. And, and, and it's important that that rational side of them, that they can actually verbalise that experience, Right. And we're there to allow them to talk through the situation, to see what options, right, they might have, right, uh, uh, to address the situation they're in. And, and very often we would actually be thanked by a caller to say, thanks, that's been great advice, right? But mm-hmm. in fact, we allow them to actually talk through their situations and their options. The very fact that we're there, we're listening, supporting and guiding allows them to do that. And I suppose they can then rationalise something in their own head because they're managing to get it out to somebody who's not going to interrupt them every two minutes or and they can get it out. Indeed, indeed. And, 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 and that's, that's the service we, we, we offer in terms of that, that, that 116123. On our outreach, we actually work with organisations and companies uh, to look at the, the the actual culture and environment in their organisations. And these are organisations, uh, global businesses, NGOs, small business, that actually are very conscious of bullying and harassment in the workplace. But they're reaching well, out well, to it's see... It's in their interest, isn't it, to be conscious of it? Because, of course, it can cause them a huge amount of problems if people take cases against them. So it's in their interest. To be it cool. is, absolutely. And I know you had the legal discussion earlier on this week yeah. around that. But, but mm. it's, it's in the interest of the individuals their mental health and well-being. It's obviously in the, in, in the interest of the company or the organisation that mm-hmm. people are feeling good, are being productive. So it's, yeah. it's, it's a win-win for everybody. But what they're reaching out is to see, you know, is there something in our environment? You know, are there barriers? Are people afraid to listen out? Are people afraid to report bullying? What's holding them back? And mm-hmm. what we find in each organisation is there's different factors there that might prevent somebody reaching out or reporting you know mm. like a common a common one for example would be well i'm not going to reach out or report because i don't want to be weak i don't want to appear to be weak uh, or i don't want to reach out because it could affect my career prospects right yeah. so it's working uh, with these organizations to put something in place a set of values policies that will actually facilitate people to open up right and address the problem and these organisations want to address it and equally they want to train their people, right, to be able to support each other, to let that conversation open without any fear, right, of negative consequences. In other words, yeah, this company values the, the mental yeah. health. This company yeah. wants you to report this. Yeah, and that was what we talked about last night as well. We were saying, you know, you don't want to, sometimes people don't want to report something because they don't want to be deemed to be the troublemaker in the, in the job or something like that. 
But I, I want to just mention as well to our listeners, if you want to come on the air and share your story, as some people did last night and the other night, some, some wonderful stories actually on Monday night. When I say wonderful, for other people listening, it's great to hear that other people in that position and it helps them maybe in their own mind settle it. So you can text or WhatsApp 87 8 That's 87 8 if you want to come on. John, just to come to you, John Kenny, who's a spiritual healer, getting back to what we were talking about a few minutes ago there to Nicholas in relation to that anxiety that people feel. And I know that feeling. I felt it when I was a child. I felt it again when I was an adult in a particular job I was in. That kind of anxiousness, almost physical anxiousness, where you get the pain in your arms, the pain in your chest. You actually can't breathe because you despise going into a place so much. Is there a way that we can heal ourselves from that? Because it's easy for somebody to say, I'll try and park it at the back of your mind. But that's not always the way people manage to do that. Some people can, but some people can't. Well, I think Patrick has made a very good point that, you know, the first thing to do is to uh, start talking about it. And that's not always easy because, you know, the management in the company that you're working, I'm, I'm talking about a work perspective now, uh, the management uh, may not support you and they may actually demote you or ignore you or exclude you. So, you know, people have to learn that there are steps you take to, as you say, heal yourself for a start, if you want to tackle the bully and the bullying, um, you have to be proactive. You can't just leave it there and hope it goes away because bullies will always keep bullying. Their aim is to control and to hurt or to hurt to control, if you follow my drift. So, you know, there are steps you can take to change that. Um, if you're suffering from things like headaches or you're stressed or you're emotional at work or you're emotional at the weekend because you see Monday coming. Well, you have to do something to save yourself from that situation. Mm. And if you're stuck in a job because it's a wage cage and you've got a mortgage trapping you, you have to go through the, um, the saving yourself steps. The Samaritans are great because they can do the listening and things like that. Uh, but at the Healing House, we take it a wee step further. We put you in touch with counselling and counsellors and psychotherapists People who would have not only a listening ear, but um, they would have training in how to talk you through a crisis. We have some uh, therapists who actually know labour law and help people to uh, escalate a, uh, mm -hmm. a claim. Situation, yeah. So that they tackle the bully. You know, if, the first thing you can do, for instance, is to document what's going on. And make sure you keep that private to yourself and don't let, uh, say, the bully get access to it. When you've done that, you can sort of uh, sit down with the bully and, and face them. Most bullies are coming from fear. I mean, you know this, that, you know, it's always the kid that uh, looks timid that gets picked on. Well, they're being picked on somebody who's just a little less timid than them. And then it becomes a modus operandi. And then they become adults and they use that to control those around them. And it's it's an endless cycle until they're confronted. Um. In a work situation, you first of all try diplomacy. You, you call them aside, you go into a private room, you sit them down, you talk to them and say, listen, I think you're bullying me in this area, I think you're bullying me in that area, maybe you're shouting at me, uh, maybe you're misleading me, maybe you're humiliating me, uh, maybe you're misdirecting me, maybe you're taking work away from me, whatever, or maybe you're just looking over my shoulder too much. All of those are sort of bullying tactics. Should you uh, try and deal with that in a casual way first before first, you kind of put yes, pen to paper yes. or put it in writing? Yes. You know. 
And and a lot of bullies will actually stop at that point because you're pointing it out and bullies do not like to be exposed. Uh, you've got to understand they're coming from their fear as well. So you, you can, mm-hmm. you've heard this thing, you know, if you face a bully and punch them in the nose, they're not going to come at you again. Uh, well, you can punch them in the nose verbally in a conversation at work. You can't obviously punch people at work. No. I would not advocate that. <laughs> um, <laughs> Although sometimes... <laughs> although, although there, are, there are times when people feel like it, of course, and I don't recommend they do it. Well, so it was always something, was always something your dad used to say to you when you were a kid and you were bullied in school and you'd come home with a black eye. Yeah. Your dad would say, I hope he has two black eyes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> We've changed as a world now, but we understand that you, obviously you can't do that. It's probably not the way to deal with it because you only bring yourself down to their level then, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's, there's different types of bullying. People don't realise you know, that there's so many different types the physical stuff where people are standing too close to you or leaning over your desk uh, or, as I said earlier, shouting at you, um, that, that kind of physical stuff, uh, that's one type. But the most common type that people report to us is what you'd call overt, or sorry, covert. Covert is when... You, Which is the kind of not, passive aggressive and humiliation. Yes, yes, yes it's yeah. sneaky stuff. And um, it's not so easy for the bosses of your boss to spot if you follow my drift. Yeah. And they can use use it to coerce what they hope is a better performance out of you, or indeed sometimes a worse performance. Mm-hmm. People don't realize that bullying actually induces a form of paralysis in companies. The paralysis is that productivity goes down. Uh, eventually, you know, you get failures. And <laughs> if you don't mind me saying this, Take a look at Dial Air, where they're all slinging abuse at each other. <laughs> and then you wonder why we've got a housing crisis and God knows how many other crises we've got. Yeah, and how many of, years because you get a lack of cooperation between work colleagues, you know, if people are being bullied and humiliated on a regular basis. Well, Particularly it, if it's one it, individual that's doing it them all. Yeah, it, it creates disunity. Mm-hmm. So it's very hard for uh, one political group to achieve anything, really when all the other groups are bullying them by standing up and verbally abusing them in the dial. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it looks like a, a children's schoolyard at times there. and People wonder mm. why nothing gets done. But there's mm. also uh, bullying goes on in things like the civil service. There's, uh, we dealt with an awful lot of uh, bullying issues in the health service over the years. Multiple, multiple cases of people coming in and saying, I don't want to work there anymore. Uh, is it the overwork? No, it's the bullying. I want to leave. Mm. And I, then, uh, you know, now we've got a, a crisis in nursing and things like that. Now, I'm not saying all of that was uh, bullying, but certainly a large chunk of it was. And, there is and what, what, what type of, sorry for interrupting you, but what type of healing is the best? So, for example, I know for most people when they're being very badly bullied or intimidated or humiliated or whatever it is in the workplace... It, it it manifests itself in a physical way. And just to give you an example, for we've had a lot of people text in over the last two weeks when we mentioned we were doing this. And of course, some people didn't want their voices on the air. So what we did was took some of those stories and we used actors to replicate, you know, the story. And just yeah. to give you a kind of an idea of the effects of workplace stress. Have a quick listen to this. Peter, can you help with the kids? Not now, Bernie. I have a lot on my plate this evening. You're working? Now? Don't start. I thought we were going out. What? I booked a table. Rebecca's coming over for the kids. I called your mam already, I... Bernie, stop. I can't. But Peter, when is this going to end? They're asking too much of you. 
Just stop, will you? I don't have a choice. If I don't do this, I won't get the promotion. I won't get the pay rise and then how will you pay for your nice dinners? How will you pay for your nice holidays and your babysitters? I don't care about that. Just get off my back and stop putting pressure on me every minute of every day. Jesus. I mean, it's seven o'clock on a Friday. Just stop, woman. Just stop. Hello. Hi, Michael. No, it is a good time. No problem. I can take it. That's the kind of thing. So there's somebody who's trying to get the work-life balance right. They can't. It's physically manifesting itself. It's destroying his own relationship with his partner, obviously. And in, sometimes in those situations, that can get so bad, it can become physical, i.e. you can't breathe properly. I mentioned earlier on, you get chest pains, arm pains. Stress manifests itself in so many ways. So what would you say to the, this gentleman, for example, who just can't get the work-life balance right? His boss is putting a huge amount of pressure, which I think is bullying, by the way, uh, on a Friday evening, and his wife is giving it to him on the other side, maybe because she doesn't understand him. Did you notice that his boss was bullying him to work at 7 o'clock on Friday night? He then bullied his wife because he was being bullied himself, and his wife was responding by trying to bully him back into a change. And the whole thing breaks down into a mess. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, what's, what's, what's needed there is a pause. Somebody needs to make a pause. And one of the things that you can do to pause is ring the Samaritans or ring the Healing House and, and take time out for yourself. And time out from the wife if she's under stress in, in a relationship. I'm talking about the man's role here. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk about spiritual healing. One of the things that happens is your spirits get crushed when you're in that situation. In other words, your joie de vivre, your your enjoyment of life is destroyed when you're caught in a bullying situation. Um, You have no chance of recovering unless you can get a pause. And in that pause, if you can get your spirits lifted, that, that gives you the energy to go back and address the bullying and do something about it. Sometimes you need to change company. You need to get out of that job you're in and go and do, go, go somewhere where the, company policy is where they value more friendly yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah your value they value their employees I, I, I just want to come to Nicholas in relation to that, that particular clip Nicholas mm. you know that's a kind of typical example of somebody not getting a work life balance right because their job or their boss is putting too much pressure on them and taking advantage of a situation not giving them the opportunity to disconnect from work which in turn causes a problem within the relationship at home and as you said it's a knock on effect I mean is that co- more common now are people not getting the work-life balance right, which in turn is causing massive depression, massive problems in their lives. Yeah, I think is that's, that something you're hearing a lot? Yeah, and, and that's a fair comment. And it really illustrates that, you know, bullying or harassment at work is not a nine-to-five thing, right? It's not limited to work. It extends into your, you know, into your family and, and, and affects them. Um, and I think John mentioned it earlier, uh, uh, with all the parties behaving like that, uh, there isn't an environment to think things through. And it's a good example. Maybe the answer here, right, is, you know, to get out of that job, to change the situation, if there is no willingness to address that issue. Uh, uh, but what you need is that space, right, to be able to uh, have that line of thinking about what is best for me, what is best for my family in this situation. And it's that time out, right, that listening ear, right, that counselling, that can actually enable you to make the decisions. In other words, bring you from what is an overwhelming situation, right, into a rational situation mm-hmm. to be able to decide what's best, you know. Uh, uh, 
uh, I, I think that that's the space those people need to get into. And often uh, uh, because uh, of, you know, immediate priorities around mortgages, etc., cetera, uh, uh, sometimes we feel trapped. Yeah. I, 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 you can feel trapped in those situations because, as we mentioned earlier on, in relation to mortgages, and sometimes there may not be another job for you, and you feel yes. that that's the only job for you, and you have to be, you know, you have to provide. Maybe if you're a provider, I mean, I remember I, I spoke last night about a guy that rang up the radio station, go back about four or five years ago, and the bullying was so bad in his workplace that he tried to take his own life, and it was during the time of the recession. He was a forklift driver, so he couldn't get another job. And he felt he had to stay in that job. He turned to drink. It nearly destroyed his marriage. Like, it had such a huge knock-on effect on his life. Eventually, he got out of it. And he's a much better person, a much happier person now. But it was solely the job and one individual who made his life miserable. Yeah, and I think it's important to emphasise that bullying and harassment has impacts. It has impacts on one's mental health and physical health. And, and in particular, to turning, you know, to ways not appropriate ways of coping, you know, whether it is, you know, uh, uh, drugs or some other addiction or, or, or whatever, right? Uh, and that's the big danger. And that's why it's so important, I think, and incumbent on the workplace, right, to be very clear about what is bullying, what is mm. harassment. That needs to be really clear, you know. Uh, sometimes it's fudged, right? Sometimes a company will say, we're a robust company, right? This is what we need to do to do business. So the lines between what is bullying, right? Uh, what is normal business behavior are great. And, and that's where bullying can continue if it's not very clear what those definitions of bullying and harassment. So that's really important that they're there and then that they have the policies in place so that people can actually uh, raise those up with a level of confidence that there's not going to be a de- debate, there's actually going to be support. And what, is, what would be the, the kind of gender balance in relation to bullying in the workplace? Or is it kind of equal right down the middle? Is it primarily men? We do know that the suicide rate for men obviously is a lot higher than the suicide rate for women. Um, and I, I'm not too 100% sure of the reason for that, but we've seen that throughout time. Although, and sadly, I, I'm seeing more and more women do it now, which is not a good thing. Yeah, but no, what, what, what is the balance or the gender balance in relation to that? Are, are men bullied more than women because they just don't talk? Or are women equally bullied as much? Yeah, now I would say, so, and this is more anecdotal than, than actual stats, you know. But, you know, yeah. uh, I would say both genders are equal, you know, to, to actually be either the victim of a bully or to be a bully, right? Now, there is another factor, though, that, yes, uh, when it comes to not seeing a way out, when it comes to actually ending your own life, you know, the male uh, of the gender has a greater potency and the figures are higher uh, 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 in choosing that as a, as a way out. Is that because men don't reach out as much? We're starting to do it now. We're learning to do it. But there was this thing for many, many years which thankfully is starting to go away, that men felt, oh, I can't talk about stuff like that because it makes me weak. Uh, I'm, you know, big boys don't cry, all that kind of, yeah. that kind of tip, stereotypical male stuff. Yeah, and I think society for a long time, right, uh, uh, engendered that. Uh, uh, I, from, uh, I have experienced in the workshops that um, we give to schools. I've seen a big improvement, you know, uh, in the understanding, you know, in second level schools of mental health. 
uh, the willingness, you know, of the male gender as well as the female to open up, reach out and be honest to say, I'm not coping. In the last five or six years, I've seen a huge shift for the good in that. And that's really thanks to the lot of the work that's happening in the schools that is making that happening. Uh, I suppose the concern then is how does that improvement we're seeing in the schools translating into the workplace? Yeah. Okay, let, let me just go to one or two callers if I can quickly, gentlemen, and, I, and I'll come back to you and maybe you can give some advice to some of these individuals. And, and, and I, I do apologise to everybody who rings in. I do have to keep the calls reasonably short so as we can get as many as possible. Uh, let me go to Tina first if I can. Tina, hi, how are you? Hey, how are you? Hi, Tina. Uh, Tina, have you ever been in a situation where you found yourself, I don't mention the name of the place or anything like that, but you, you, found, just, you found yourself bullied or harassed or leaving yeah. a job because it just was so difficult? And, yeah, and what what? How did that manifest itself? I mean, what type of bullying was it? Um, I applied for a waitressing job uh, online and sent my CV in. I was hired a week later. Um, the supervisor of the restaurant, um, the the manager hired me. Right, she didn't even need to meet me. She looked at my CV, liked it, and hired me. So the supervisor was really funny with me. She was half my age, for starters, and uh, she was always kind of snappy with me. And I, I felt singled out. I have enough experience to know when I'm being singled out. Mm-hmm. Um, but long, boring story short, as you said, you want to keep it short. She bullied me for eight and a half months. Now, for somebody fifty years of age. That took a hell of a lot of tolerance for somebody half my age bullying me. I couldn't understand why. I was trying to figure it out my own. So what I did was I preempted something one night that I thought would get her back up. She thought I hadn't done something right, and I had done, but I had done it somewhere else. And very verbally in front of customers, for the last time in eight and a half months, very audibly spoke down to me like I was a piece of shit. And as I said to Zoe, I put my fist up. And I looked her clean in her eyes. I was nose to nose with her and I had my fist up in the air. And I thought, I'm giving it to you, you FNC. And I, I thought, you know what, Tina, you're 50 years of age. Have an ounce of tolerance. I put my hand down and I thought, you're done. So the following morning, I opened up the restaurant today. The clock cleaned it for two hours. And who came in behind me? Only the manager. Mm-hmm. And instead of hitting that bitch, I sang like a Tweety Bird's. But the eight and a half months of abuse I got from her. But I didn't go there until I had enough ammunition. Her I, best I, friend... Can I, can, sorry for interrupting, but can I ask you, during that eight and a half months, I'm assuming it was just like, you know, constantly pecking at you all the time, right? Oh, God, yeah. you have no idea. One night there was three of us on. There was 112 euros in the tip jar. I made 102 of it. I make no quibbles about that. That's how good of a worker I am. But... The reason how I know, she sang to her best friends who worked there as well. And because they're in their 20s and they have no experience and they're shallow and they're vain and all of this is all about their ego, it was her friend who told me that she read my CV, seeing I was overqualified, and convinced herself and her shallow head that I was out to get her so she okay. So she saw you job. as a threat. Yes, exactly. And when you when you went home at night, Tina, from that job, how did you feel? Or, or did, did, was there? Did you get to a point where you just hated going to work? It it actually did. It did. 
and that's like getting up in the morning to go in there like all the customers i i become um very popular very quick because i i i know how to talk to people mm-hmm. do you know what i mean mm-hmm. and when they see how good you are at your job in such a short space of time like in this place in the 40 years that it was open one person got three trip advisor reviews in 40 years i got five in the first eight weeks and the owner came in one morning after maybe I got the fourth one. And it was a chef who was working there 15 years who actually made me aware of this because I don't look on TripAdvisor. And he goes, oh, you got another one. And I so, so did the manager not intervene because you were such a good worker and you sounded like a good worker and you sound very confident? Did your, did your manager not intervene? Held I held it. I didn't tell anybody. And why didn't you so say something? I did, at the end, because I have tolerance and patience and I understand people's shallow minds, but when I, event- when I told the manager, she goes, well, she's going to beep yeah. in six weeks. She was leaving the country. And I said, well, with the chip on her shoulder that she has, she won't last a year in that place. I seen her walk in the streets within 11 months of what I had said. Well, unfortunately, what goes around comes around. Tina, I'm sorry to hear that you went through that. I'm sorry it had such a profound effect on you as well. And, and Nicholas, if I could just ask you in relation to that, 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 that kind of would be something that bullies do. It's, you mentioned earlier on, or I think it was John that mentioned earlier on, it's not something that's kind of physical or it's not something that's aggressive. Sometimes it can be passive-aggressive. It can be just chipping away at somebody's self-confidence, isn't it? It can, it can indeed, yes, and and, and 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 all the more important, as I said, that 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 we're very clear about what constitutes bullying. You know, as the, as John said, they convert be behaviours. You know, um, and uh, uh, that th- that is important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry, about that. <laughs> at least you just fixed your microphone there. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and, and I think there's a, there's another aspect uh, uh, yeah. that we should be aware of because we we work in, in 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 you know with fellow workers and fellow colleagues, you know, and and yeah. as individuals, we have different levels of resilience, right? Yeah. And and we need to recognise that, uh, there, you know, people will be familiar with say slagging or bantering, right? And it's a, it's it's an it's a you know an Irish thing that people from different cultures might say, I can't understand. You know, things are being said here that's hurtful and painful, and they're told it's only slagging. And, and we need to be very conscious, right, that we're all individuals, right? Uh, and our resilience changes ourselves as time goes along. And I not I might not be able to take that and and it sometimes can turn into a, a herd mentality so we need to be brave enough in our work environment you know when we see that happening that we don't partake in it or that we can call it out for what it is so I think we can we can help our colleagues right in those type of situations not to partake in it uh, recognize when you know banter is crossing a boundary right and turning into either harassment or, bu- or bullying right and call it out I think in the workplace, we each have responsibility to do that. Let me go to Margaret if I can as well. Margaret, hi, how are you? Hi, Niall, how are you? I'm good, Margaret. What would you like to say? Uh, yeah, well, I worked in a hospital, Niall, you know, and um, I refused to lift a resident out of a bath who was 16 stone, you know. Oh, gosh. And that I would have been difficult, yeah. The, yeah. Yeah, well, I said to the two nurses, you know, I said, I'm not lifting her, no way. I said, there's a 
a hoister to do that. I said, which takes two people to use that. And then all hell broke loose. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me, um, I um, was in the storeroom you know, doing a trolley up for the night staff and um, heard them bringing the charge nurse into the bathroom. Had a firm, long conversation about me and how they were going to go about getting me. And um, oh, gosh. I knew I was coming. And um, he said, leave it to me. He said, sick of that particular family because all my family worked in this hospital. Some are in charge of the hospital and that, yeah. you know. So anyway, that's neither here nor there. Uh, and anyway, I proceeded to bring the trolley down the ward to the particular area where the trolley is left for the night staff. Come in here, you. I want a word with you. I said, certainly. I said, I'll be in now just a minute. I parked this here. So when I went and um, he called me um, all sorts of names, Niall, and um, oh God. told me I, I was nothing but um, an F and Egypt, uh, a lower class B. And um, I stood there and I listened to him. And I said, you cannot talk to me like that. I said, you have no right to speak to me like that. And uh, the deputy came in. He was the charge nurse. And the deputy came in and said, stop. Cannot speak to her like that. That is totally out of order. You get out. You're only the deputy. So I said, I'm not taking this. And uh, grabbed my coat, got my keys, walked out the door, went up and saw the deputy matron of the hospital, told her I was not going back to the ward and I was going home. And she said, go home and come back after lunch. I went home, told my husband what had happened. He went upstairs and he said, I'll kill him. And I said, you won't. And I think I got myself walked up into such a knot of everything what he had said to me, called me a yellow pack, called me dirt of the earth. Got very personal about my mother and my father, which I loved very dearly. And uh, started criticising members of my family and really got very nasty. Oh, that sounds really nasty, doesn't it? And um, Very personal um, as well. Mm. Very personal. And then... Uh, I put my fist through the kitchen window. Oh no! Out of frustration. frustration, because you couldn't, mm-hmm. with, you just couldn't hold in the anger and, and how you couldn't, were feeling. Couldn't. And did no, you did you hurt no, yourself couldn't. doing that? I'm sure you did. I did, yeah. I did, yeah. Mm-hmm. You probably ended my, up with a few stitches husband. in your hand. Well, my husband sewed me up. Oh God. Oh Margaret, I'm so sorry to hear that happened. Yeah, I'm assuming that was some time ago now. Yeah, obviously. It is, yeah, yeah, it is. But it and then did you just just, just be? Di- I'm sorry to rush you, but did you go back to the job eventually? Did you get back to the job? Oh, I went back to work because yeah. I had to. And, and, I had to and did those individuals? Did they apologise or? No, no, never did. Never. And did they continue to make life difficult for you? They did, yeah, because they went around then and anywhere where I walked in other particular wards. They talked about you. Off. I, yeah, got hell off off. 
I'm sorry. I'm so sorry to hear. Sorry, Margaret, for cutting short. But I'm so sorry to hear that happened to you. And God Almighty, that sounds absolutely awful. Uh, John, just just to come to you on that, we spoke briefly about this on Monday night, which is this kind of groupthink thing where. Margaret was picked on very personally, obviously, and, and, and horrible things said to her so much so she lost her, you know, she couldn't contain herself, put her hand through a window. But, you know, that people will kind of gang up on people. It's very difficult to deal with those situations, isn't it? When you've got a lot of people talking about you behind your back. It only takes one person to start that rumour mill going. Well, one example of bullying is gossip. Gossiping mm. about a person in the negative. Um, yeah. It can destroy their their you know, their self esteem. It can just rid them of confidence and all sorts of stuff. But there was a mention there about lifting patients. This is something we came across very frequently among nursing and people who work in in uh, hospitals and homes and so forth. Lifting people brings on bad backs, and um, I personally treat people for back pain uh, at the healing house. And one of the things that happens is people come in with a back pain we sort out their pain and while we're we're sorting out their pain they mention that there's bullying going on and the bullying has has coerced them to lifting heavy patients, the bullying has hit them emotionally in their stomach and because their stomach is uh, upset their lower back gives them pain and it's a vicious circle and as I said earlier you need some kind of a pause, you need a break in the routine so sometimes fixing the bad back is that pause that the person needs to reflect and mm-hmm. say, hang on a second, how did I get this bad back? Oh, yes, I was bullied by peer pressure to lift 16 stone patients and I'm only nine stone or eight stone. Mm-hmm. Do you understand? The, the peer yeah. pressure and the, is And of course, huge. the body is an instrument and one link that's missing or one part of that that goes wrong can have a knock-on effect on the rest of it. Yeah, and that thing that yep. the, the, the lady, the caller, Margaret, there mentioned that there was a, a hoist there to lift that patient. But what happens is one person in that group says, oh, to hell with the, the, the hoist. Let's just, That's correct. you know, get yeah. somebody inappropriately to help lift this patient out of the bath. That's mm-hmm. so, that happens so frequently, it's just not funny. It's a I, huge well, I, I couldn't imagine what that would be like even for me, and I consider myself you know, a little bit stronger probably than Margaret would be. So I can only imagine yeah. what that would be like when you know you physically can't do something, but you're being kind of forced into doing it. And think of the funny angle of bending over a bath to lift a heavy, wet, slippy patient. Yeah. And yeah. very often you can't get at the other side of the bath, so you're trying to lift from one side. Mm. I mean, in a hospital mm. situation, obviously the, the bath has uh, access on both sides. But say, for instance, you're visiting a home, uh, uh, what the nurses that visit people in their homes um, are carers. Uh, they often have to lift and one side of the bath is not available. So it's a very unnatural position to be trying to lift somebody from. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, you know, you have to understand that all bullying eventually brings the house down. And management have to understand that if they permit bullying to take place in their workplace, they're on a hiding to nothing. They're, they're, they're going to get a, a, a failure somewhere in their system, somewhere in their uh, staffing. They're going to get a high turnover of staff. They lose money in training. Um, over the years, we've helped out various different companies in Ireland where they invest hundreds of thousands of pounds training people from, say, basic employee status right up to management status. But as the management 
are under pressure from the big bosses. They're the ones that are starting to crack. And suddenly, the, all that investment is down the tubes. So we've been helping people over the years to deal with uh, stress-related uh, staff failure, if you, if you can put it to you that way. And it, that saves the companies money. They have to realise that it's in their interests to have not only written policies about bullying, but they have to actually police those policies to make that make sure that they're working. It's no good as a piece of paper up on the wall. No, there's no no point in a policy or a, not or a staff not work for collecting dust on top of a folder. Or a they're like somewhere. political promises, for goodness sake. Absolutely. You know? well, well, hold on. Let me just go to Neve and Sarah very quickly because I've got about seven minutes here and I want to get the two of them in very quickly. Neve, hi, how are you? Hi, Niall, how are you? Good. Neve, have you ever experienced bullying in the workplace? Yeah, literally in the last couple of months. Um, I think it was it was when I had my injury and I was away from it and I was able to look back okay. and see what was going on. Um, Hindsight I mean, is a wonderful thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. It's like when you get out of the eye of the storm, you can kind of yeah. have a little look at what was going on. Um it was actually horrible. It, you know, I'm not a young person, um, but kind of to be intimidated and have to take it from somebody nearly half your age, it almost adds to the insult. You're the second person to say that tonight, by the way, in a similar mm. kind of environment as well, a restaurant type environment. Mm. You're the second Very person to tough. say that. Yeah. And it was like, that. you know, it, it was almost like in your head, you were looking at this person going, you really aren't doing your job very well because if you were, you wouldn't have to call somebody stupid. Yeah. Uh, and that, I mean, that was something I I heard somebody else say during the week as well, so yeah. that they were called that too. Yeah. And it was literally because I was doing something as a favour to them that I hadn't done before, hadn't been trained in, I'd never experienced it before, and literally put something down on a table slightly to the right when it should have been slightly to the left in front of customers mm. being called, being asked was I stupid and oh God, the only that's humiliating. thing that it was but the only thing that was good in my view was that um, I just stood I, I, I walked away because there's no I, I, I won't lower myself to that standard and, and you know fight fire with fire I just walked away Mm. And when I had to go back, obviously, to the table, and it was the top table. And this lovely lady, it was actually a funeral, and this lovely lady put her hand on my arm and she goes, oh, by the way, she said, you're very far from that. Isn't that, isn't that so embarrassing? Yeah, isn't that so embarrassing yeah, where the customers yeah, or, yeah, actually hear what's going on? And, mm-hmm. and, I, and again, I'm sorry for cutting everybody a little bit short, but I, do, I just no, want to, no. you know, that's okay. I just want to come to Nicholas in relation to that, Nicholas, because I've got a four minutes and I want to go to Sarah Jane too. Nicholas, you know, this idea of just humiliating people, you're kind of taking people down slowly, constantly, and just kind of tapping at them all the time to take away their self-confidence. I mean, calling somebody stupid in front of staff or in front of customers, you know, you just never do that. Yeah, no, the, the humiliation aspect of doing that, you know, in public, you know, is 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 a, a cruel form of 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 of, uh, of bullying, and and just from the stories we're hearing here tonight, you know, some sort of common factor: people who are are working on the front line, whether it's in the health services, transport services, you know, food services, you know, uh, uh, are often, you know, more subject to. Bullying, right? And and we, we, we did see that during COVID. 
you know, the increased calls coming from uh, the frontline workers, for example, in the health service. And I think it, it's it's something for people, you know, for uh, uh, who run these services to be to be very much aware of, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, of the propensity for it to happen. Let me just go to Sarah Jane. Sarah Jane, hi, how are you? I'm grand, how are you? I'm good, Sarah Jane. Sarah Jane, have you ever been bullied in the workplace? I have been bullied, but I have to deal with it. Um, that's the way it goes. Mm. But it is humiliating. That's the word. Yeah. What, hap- um, what happened to you? I handed in my resignation and I got a letter a week later of discipline for things that I have said and wasn't dealt with. Right. Which incidents happened that I'd reported and nothing got dealt with. And I was left to stew in two weeks with the letter and I had to come back with a written letter. Yeah. And so you, you work, you work, we were talking about the front line a second, you work on the front line, you work as a carer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and when, when you say things had happened, what, what had happened? Just briefly. Ah, fuck this, fuck this. And John just can't talk to me now. I'm advised because there is uh, serious. Like, the way I look where it is, right? I handed him my notice, and I'd say I gave two weeks' notice, and then I got handed a two page letter of uh, being pulled on certain issues that happened, say, four or five months previous to handing in my notice because I was moving on. I When I walked there, it was grand. The more I walked there, the more toxic environment it was. And I didn't feel safe and secure walking in this facility. And within the facility, it was old school, and I felt that I didn't feel secure. And if I don't feel safe walking with people, it's people are not getting the... The care they need. Yeah. The care, exactly, yeah. Yeah. So, and you have a duty, because obviously you work in that sector, in the public sector as well, you have a duty to report that too. Yeah, but like... The way they look for it, the way it comes, that's your responsibility, you're accountable. Yeah. So if you're going to, and you're reporting things and you're saying things and you're going using the proper procedures doing it, and they don't do anything about it, and then it comes back landed on you. But that, 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 that's not my point here. My point really here is, is when I handed in my notice and I got handed two pages yeah. of this, that and the other. And then I was told then that person was going on annually for a week, so yeah. I had to stay on it for a whole week. That, and that's terrible, making you wait like that. Again, I'm sorry for cutting you a little bit short. <clears throat> but I just want to come finally, if I can, uh, John, and back, back to you again. When, you know, people are finally at breaking point and they hand in their notice, it's not something people really want to do, but they kind of feel they have to do. You know, would you advise people to get out of that situation as quick as possible or to try and resolve the situation so you can stay in a job? Because I know people who love their jobs, but they hate their jobs. I know that sounds like a contradiction. They love the job they're doing, but they hate the place they're working because of one person. Well, if you love the job that you, uh, you're doing and there's one person messing all that up, then that's a case for standing your ground and seeing if you can go through the, the, the proper steps to shall I say, to take out the bully. And I don't mean pull a gun on them or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But go through the procedure uh, of confronting them, uh, gather the evidence, then confront them. If they still persist, then look for allies in the the company to see if anybody else is getting bullied by this person. 
then you can take it to uh, HR or a, a higher grade of management. And if that doesn't work, take it to the highest grade of management. And if that doesn't work, then go talking to the lawyers and to the tribunals and things like that. They're the stages you need to go through. Uh, that's if you really want to stay. Um, I, I'd emphasize again, it's in everybody's interests to make sure that there's a policy for bullying in place and that it's policed, that it's supervised, that it's enacted. Mm -hmm. That lady that just called there, that's a classic case of, of loose management, if you follow my drift. Nobody was following up on her original complaints. <coughs> Excuse me. And, and by the way, that, Until that's too the public late. sector. I, and we've talked about, sorry for interrupting you, in the last few years, what's been very, we've been very focused on is, particularly in the public sector, when you know Hickwet are involved or whatever yeah. it happens to be, yeah. is you know the idea of whistleblowing. In other words, that you should be able to report those things to HICWA, for example, or to the state in the public sector, you know, without any repercussions, even if you might be wrong, but you should be able to do that uh, without it coming back to you. Well, for instance, civil servants uh, cannot really have access to uh, a proper complaints procedure. They've, they've got, they're very limited. You know, let mm. me just say that they're very limited. I won't take it any further than that. Uh, and that limit allows for bullying, particularly overt bullying, the stuff that's not sort of visible, um, coercive practices, uh, you know, criticism, uh, promotion, denial, things like that. That's very, very common in big organisations. And, and the civil service is one of the biggest. Mm -hmm. Then you look at something like the... Um, the HICWA situation, and you look at the health service and the caring professions generally, um, they're very often, you know, led by hierarchies. And sometimes the hierarchies won't dirty their fingers. They won't dirty their fingers with, the, you know, the, the, the lower grades. And then the middle grades can get away with murder in terms yeah. of bullying and things like that. Um, I think just the first thing that needs to happen is awareness. And I'm delighted to come on this program and to hear you highlighting this. Uh, bullying is bad for business. Bullying is bad for people. Bullying is bad for people's spirits. People get destroyed spiritually by being coerced by people. As I said at the, at the beginning, all bullies start out by trying to control by hurting people. And... That's the wrong way. You know, you get much more, you get more by, by honey than vinegar if you follow my drift. And, and on that note, I'm sorry, gentlemen, but unfortunately I've run completely out of time. But i got to thank you both, by the way, for coming in to talk to us. John Kenny, spiritual healer, and also Nicholas Patrick Nally, uh, an outreach director with the Samaritans. By the way, if anybody wants to contact the Samaritans, the number 116123. That's 116123 if you're looking for a listening ear. I suppose is the best way to say it, Nicholas, isn't it? If it you just want be. somebody to listen. Yeah, we're there 24-7. Now, now, real people, real opinions. Nighttime Talk with Niall Boylan. Ireland's classic hits radio.